Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 16, titled Nothing As It Seems. Uh, Yet another fantastic, fantastic episode that... I think does the best job out of any episode this season of playing around with this alternate timeline. This episode does some incredible things with, like, scrambling fringe lore. Like, they just take all this established stuff and just put it all in a blender and it's great and it's... So fun to watch. It's just a very, very delightful episode. Uh, and in that vein, we will jump immediately into... Things that are different! Kind of redundant to have this be a, a segment in this episode, since, you know... This entire episode is basically just one big things that are different. But, eh... There's a couple things that I want to point out separate from the episode rundown and all that. Uh, so first off, uh, we find out this episode that Rachel's still married in this timeline to that absolute douchebag. Uh, what was his name? Greg? It, it was some stupid name like that. Uh, he's still married to that idiot. And she has another kid. She has a son named Eddie in addition to Ella, which... Good for her on that front. Good news, bad news. Uh, also, Conrad, that big uh, bioterrorist that John Scott was working for, apparently in this timeline he died six years ago. So he did not rise to prominence in the way that he did in the original timeline. He did not have nearly as much influence as he did in the original timeline. He kind of just wasn't a thing. He just sort of petered out. And uh, aside from... The entire rest of the episode, that is it for things that are different. Man, it was really hard, by the way, to kind of categorize what would go into things that are different segment and what would just come up naturally as the episode went on. What would just come up naturally as we just talked about the events of this episode. Like, it was really, it was really rough to categorize <laughs> those two. Because, like I said, this episode is just one big things that are different. Uh, before we get into, like, the macro stuff of this episode, I want to briefly talk about the aftermath of Olivia just having her alternate timeline memories overwritten. Uh, there's a whole subplot in this episode of Olivia being sidelined because she doesn't remember a lot of stuff. Uh, she forgot, like, 40% of her life, uh, got 40% of the details of her life wrong. And so Broyles sidelines her and is like, hey, don't work on fringe cases. And then she works on a fringe case without Broyles' knowledge. And, yeah. 
<laughs> that's a thing. That's basically it. And then Broyles eventually is like, if only 60% of the Olivia I knew is still there, then you're still better than any agent I've ever worked with in my life. And you're back on the case. Like, it's it's a standard subplot, but it's decent. It, it's, a, it's a decent subplot and a decent little, uh... A decent little epilogue to that, like, quadrilogy of episodes of Olivia's alternate timeline memories getting overwritten with original timeline. It's it's a nice little epilogue to that whole storyline. But anyway, we need to talk about the porcupine monsters. You you know, you know, that's why, that's why we're here. That's why, we're, we're here for porcupine monsters. We're here to discuss the porcupine monsters. Uh, cause... This episode opens with literally the opening scene of episode 13 of season 1. That That's literally how this opens. It's just that again. <laughs> like, that got delayed by a few years in this alternate timeline. That got pushed back a little bit. And I just love the idea that the case we are taking on this episode starts with the same people on the same flight. Doing the same stuff, but the origins of it are completely different. And the case that follows is completely different. Like, it kind of, it funnels down into the same thing, and then branches out into two different things again. Like, I love that. That's just like an interesting little timeline anomaly. Infinity chance? Like, it's... It's cool. I like that. I like that we have that little anomaly to play around with. And even Peter's just like, huh, okay, we're, <laughs> we're doing the exact same case again. That's cool. And then it com- becomes completely different. Like it, it just, it's so, so fun. So this time around, here's what's the same. Marshall Bowman, I believe his name is. Begins to turn into porcupine on an airplane. Freaks the hell out. Thrashes around in the bathroom a bit. That's where the similarities end. Uh, First off, he emerges from the bathroom totally fine in this version. And then gets grilled by TSA. And then he turns into a porcupine while he's getting grilled by the TSA. And causes a bunch of chaos. Now, Daniel Hicks is still involved this time around. Except neither of them are like NSA or stuff like that. Neither of them are agents working undercover. They've instead joined a cult and willingly injected themselves with porcupine maker juices. Uh, And the reason Marshall Bowman... uh, involuntarily turned into a porcupine was not because he got dosed. It's because uh, he couldn't reach his meds to sort of regulate the process and make it so that he doesn't transform until the exact right moment, make it so that he doesn't transform until the exact right time. But it's just, like, um, instantly, we're working off of the same point but we're, we branch off into two radically different cases where one is just like uh, some government informants got 
called out and got turned into porcupine monsters as punishment. And in this one, it's just like, they're in a cult. And they are willingly turning themselves into porcupine monsters. It's just one of them turned into a porcupine monster at the exact wrong moment. Like, what? <laughs> it's so insane. It's so insane how different it is. And I love it. I love the twisting of the lore. I love how radically different it is. It starts from the same place, but then branches out and out and out and out and out into a completely different case. Like, that, that twisting of fringe lore that is so cool, and it's such a fun way to play around with this alternate timeline. Uh, but we visit Daniel Hicks. He's already turned into a porcupine monster. He attacks Lincoln and then escapes. Uh, Lincoln is then infected and is uh, in danger of turning into said porcupine monster. He gets cured after a while, and it's mostly just used as a joke. This isn't like a Charlie Francis situation where the entire thing is to save Lincoln, save Lincoln, save Lincoln. That being said, still a funny-ass joke. <laughs> they do have some really hilarious moments. With Lincoln uh, slowly transforming into Porcupine Monster. At one point, he just starts shoveling bacon into his mouth. Uh, because apparently the monsters need lipids. Like, they need fat. Uh, in order to mature properly. And that's why Bowman died, by the way. Because he couldn't get that fat. He couldn't get those lipids. But it's just... <laughs> It's just stupid. He's just shoveling bacon into his face. And then eventually Walter creates a cure that apparently is just utterly disgusting. <laughs> I love the moment where he's listing off all these ingredients and then Walter's like, and I added a little mint to hide the aftertaste. Lincoln uh, drinks it. It didn't work. <laughs> it's funny. It's really, really funny. Uh, but anyway, we're looking into this cult. By the way, we find out about this cult. Uh, there's a tattoo on Bowman. And we visit Markham to translate the Sumerian on that tattoo. And we get a cool little Markham sequence. We're again playing around with that alternate timeline. Twist and fringe lore. Markham has no idea who Olivia or Peter are in this timeline. And they go in, and they have to act like they're just normal-ass customers. <laughs> and it's really great. Markham immediately starts flirting with Olivia. <laughs> because why not? Uh, and I love that moment. But apparently, we're looking into this cult. Apparently, they are nutballs who are like, uh, We will... Uh, conquer God, and we will create new life better than humanity. Da, 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 da. And eventually we find a code for a file in Massive Dynamic on a certain project. Uh, so we go over to Nina. She looks this up, and all the information from that project was purged from the system... And the person who originally oversaw it, David Robert Jones, from when he worked back in the Massive Dynamic days. when he From the days when he worked at Massive Dynamic. He oversaw that project, creating these monsters, and 
Now he's doing it again. Now he's creating porcupine monsters once again. So whereas before it was a Conrad thing, now it's a David Robert Jones thing. He's the one creating these big porcupine deals. Also, totally forgetting this part, uh, but there's a woman who knows about the porcupine monster stuff. Uh, is aware that Hicks has transformed and sort of walks around with Hicks post-transformation. And is helping him out post-transformation and she's all buddy-buddy with this dude. And talking about how, like, we'll be uh, part of the new world, like Adam and Eve. Like, da-da-da-da-da, uh, like being real creepy. Uh, also, these porcupine monsters in this timeline fly. They have wings, and they fly. In the immortal words of Poe Dameron, they fly now. <laughs> god, that movie was so stupid. Rise of Sky... Oh my god. J.J. Abrams went from this show to Rise of Frickin' Skywalker. Think about that. Think about that. Anyway, they fly now. Uh, eventually, we find a clinic where a bunch of excess lipids are being stored from, like, liposuction and all that, and it's disgusting. Uh, and we raid that clinic. Uh, we know it's the clinic because it has a high-rise, and the monster can, like, fly in without being seen, because we're aware of the wings at this point. They go in, they raid this facility, they have this big confrontation with the monster. Uh, they realize that porcupines are nocturnal, so they just turn on the lights and just uh, hurt it that way, and this causes an opening for Lincoln to shoot the thing. And then that woman, after the porcupine man is killed, after the Daniel Hicks porcupine man is killed, uh, this woman just attacks, and Peter just shoots her, and then she cries a bunch. And basically, the takeaway from all this is that David Robert Jones, for whatever reason, not sure how this relates to the shapeshifters or Westfield or the Amphilocyte or any of that. We, we don't know what's going on. But David Robert Jones, for some reason, is playing God and trying to create creatures intentionally. And then we get this ending where... Marshall Bowman's sister, who he interrogated earlier in the episode and said, I don't know anything, I don't know anything, I don't know anything, I don't know anything. Turns out she knew a lot because it is revealed she's also a member of this cult and turns herself and some other dude into a porcupine monster. They are then on a ship with other monsters of the not-porcupine variety. We actually get a couple of blasts from the past. We have, like, a little... Uh, that creature that impregnated Charlie Francis way back in the day, that, like, big chimera beast, uh, that, that, that's there. Uh, these little, uh, sea worms, uh, these little, like, big giant worms that, uh, grew in the guts of those, I think it was, like, Chinese immigrants or something, like, they're there. All of these, like, creatures from episodes past are there. So in this timeline, not only are the porcupine monsters David Robert Jones, but these other two things are also David Robert Jones. David Robert Jones 
in this timeline, basically took everything that even looks like a fringe case and is like, mine. <laughs> David Robert Jones, in this timeline, basically took control of everything that even looks like a... If, if it involves weird-ass creatures, she's like, mine. Mine, 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 mine. Mine, 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 mine. <laughs> Give me all the weird creatures. They're all mine now. I create them. <laughs> <laughs> Screw all you other randos creating these weird things. And they're all on this boat, just floating in the middle of the ocean. We don't know what they, why they're there. We don't know what they have to do with anything, but it's happening. I know this episode feels random when you watch it for the first time, but trust me, this is a huge deal. <laughs> trust me, this is a huge thing in the season. This will become... This boat will become very important. It's a very important boat. It's the most important boat. Uh, but yeah, I know a lot of this episode was jokes, but like, I do really love it. It is, it's so fun. It's so good. Like, it, it's just so satisfying to see, like, we're in an alternate timeline. Let's just take these various fringe cases, toss them all into a blender and just create something cool and different that just scrambles up everything from the original timeline. Scrambles up a bunch of greatest hits from the original timeline. It's so cool. It's it's such... They handle alternate timeline in this episode better than any other episode in the entire, in the entire season. It, it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. Anyway... Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, Inco.fm slash TV Archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push my button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 17. Talk to you then.